Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Six Figure Product Business Podcast, episode 191. We're almost at 200. I'm so excited. All right. We have a special treat this week. We have so many people that sell on Etsy, that want to sell better on Etsy. And I get a lot of Etsy questions. And while I love dabbling in some digital products, Etsy is definitely not my platform of expertise. So I love having someone on here who can spill the tea on all things Etsy and how you can use Etsy to make more money in your business and use it as a funnel to make sales elsewhere like your own website, aka. All right. We have Lauren Keplinger on the podcast this week. Woohoo. So Lauren is founder of Funky Monkey Children. It's a baby blanket company. It's so, so, so cute. She's also the host of Crickets to Chuching's podcast. And I was actually on her podcast a few months ago. So definitely go check it out. And she's spilling the beans all about Etsy and how she's leveraged the Etsy platform to not only grow her own product-based business, but now she teaches other people like you how to grow on Etsy. So we talked about a lot of things on this episode. It was absolute gold, but we really talked about everything from how to make your products more attractive on Etsy, how to figure out the right SEO tools, how to email your customers using Etsy so you get more customers that buy from your website directly, Um, everything about customer loyalty, really getting your customers to come back for more and more, and then just some other funnel and conversion tips that Lauren shares. So she's absolutely amazing. This is such a great episode. You are going to love it. So if you are currently in Etsy and trying to grow more, this episode is for you. If you are not in Etsy, but you're curious how to make Etsy work for your business, this episode is also for you. So grab a coffee. Let's dive into it. Let me just pull my notes. Okay. Um, Hello, Lauren. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yay. Um, Okay, so before we dive into all things Etsy, and you're amazing, you have like a, you know, your product-based business and coaching and all sorts of cool things. Tell everyone a little bit about you and um, what you sell on Etsy. Yeah, um, my name is Lauren Keplinger, and um, I got started on Etsy in 2012, which feels like a million internet years ago. Um, and I sell monogrammed baby stuff, which is what I've always, that's what the shop has always been. Um, and still is mostly blankets and stuffed animals. So cute. I'm gonna have to tell you my baby blanket fake business in a sec, but what got you into, I know you're a mom, but like what got you what, how did you end up doing an Etsy store selling baby blankets? So 
my sister-in-law had an Etsy shop at the time and she was doing like kids birthday shirts. So embroidery applique kind of stuff. Um, so she kind of taught me how to do that, to, to do the actual sewing part of it. Um, and my husband was in the military and I was really bored, (laughs) um, because he was like working all the time and I had some young children and I kind of just wanted something that was flexible so that I didn't have, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to make enough money to put both of my like toddler infant age children in daycare. But I wanted something that was flexible and could work around that, but that also could move with me because we were moving all the time. Um, so I wasn't going to have to like start over with a new job every time we moved. And so I kind of just followed my sister-in-law down that path. And um, then it just like kind of took on a life of its own <laughs> from there. <laughs> wow. And I love it too. I love the little like rabbits. So I'm looking at her. um her Etsy store as I'm talking, but super cute little products. And I love baby stuff. I think baby stuff is just like the cutest little products. And I see you've made 23,000 sales on Etsy, which that is a lot of product. Like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And your brand is called Funky Monkey Children. Super, super cute. So um, tell, just talk about Etsy. So I know Etsy, I feel like... Um, Etsy can get a lot of crap from people, like people complaining about the fees, people complaining about um, just a lot of things on Etsy. Um, I would love to know your opinion. So I teach, I'm really honed in on direct-to-consumer, so Shopify store, driving traffic to your own store, how do you do all those things? So that's like my area of expertise. But I also am a huge advocate of if you have a product business, like you should be selling on multiple places. So Etsy is your thing. I would love to hear just in your opinion, like why should people have an Etsy store? So if they have a Shopify store, why should they also have Etsy? And just like talk a little bit about Etsy. Like what do you like about it? And then I would love to hear a little bit about like your journey of using it and how you use it to create a funnel for your business. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, I mean, I think that when I got started, they're really wasn't a lot of competition for platforms. Like Etsy was pretty much it, um, in terms of selling handmade, like crafty type stuff online. Um, I guess people that were like really, um, advanced in their computer skills, maybe could have done like WordPress at the time, but it was, I mean, it was a totally different world 11 years ago in e-commerce. But, um, I think that, the barriers to entry on Etsy are really pretty low. So, you know, I mean, you can spend an afternoon and set up a shop and it's really easy to set up. And that makes it really easy to add as an additional channel, whether you're like just getting started and you want to start on Etsy and grow from there, or if you already have a shop and you just want to add an additional revenue stream. I think that over the years, for better or worse, which you could probably make an argument either way, Um, Etsy has done a really good job of branding themselves, their business, the Etsy business as sort of this like artisan small business helper (laughs) platform. Um, and so that is the reputation that Etsy has for the consumers and to be able to put yourself in that community and get in front of the buyers that are loyal to the Etsy brand can potentially add another whole stream of buyers into your business that otherwise 
wouldn't necessarily know about you or even be looking for you. Like it's a way to get in front of people who are brand loyal to the Etsy platform. Um, and so even if they found you on Instagram or whatever, you know, a Google ad, they might not necessarily feel comfortable buying directly from your website. And they feel like there's this extra layer of protection buying from Etsy. Um, and so even if your ultimate goal is to move them to your own website, which I think it should be, um, it allows them to get familiar with you and comfortable with you and read your reviews and all of that kind of stuff on the Etsy platform before you ultimately try to move them to your website. Yeah, I love that. And I also love too with Etsy that, you know, the biggest thing that I see with a lot of e-commerce businesses and like a lot of my clients or people in my programs are like, they launch their business, they launch their website, but then they're like, okay, well now where no one's buying. And I'm like, okay, well, it's generally going to be a traffic or a conversion issue. It's not generally not going to be one, you know, anything other than that. I mean, unless you have a crappy product and your website sucks, um, it's going to be a conversion or traffic issue. And so most of it is a traffic issue. Like they're just not getting the people to see their products. But with Etsy, you know, the benefit of that is it's a marketplace. So they have the audience, which you, you know, touched on. And and I would love to talk a little bit more in a sec about like how to build a loyal customer base from Etsy. Because I think a lot of people are loyal to the platform. Like, oh, where did you get that product? I got it from Etsy. Yep. They sometimes forget like, oh, I bought it from this shop or that shop. Um, but yeah, so that's the benefit of Etsy is like you are, you already have a million people right there ready to buy. So my question for you is what are some things that people can do to make it easy for people to like find your product or make customers, make it easy for customers to discover your product? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of it is kind of the same things that you would say about e-commerce in general. You have to have good photos. You have to have mm -hmm. descriptions that give them the information that they need. You have to have reasonable shipping prices. You know, all of those things that kind of go into e-commerce just as a rule, regardless of where you're selling. Um, I think with Etsy, the additional challenge is that there is definitely an algorithm. Um, and to be able to get found in the algorithm is a lot more challenging now than it was in 2012. <laughs> there are a lot more shops on Etsy that are selling. And so I think that you have to be able to understand how your buyer is searching for things. Um, you know, mm. you kind of touched on a little bit. One of the benefits of Etsy is that they not only have all of this traffic that's already on the platform, but those people are shopping. Like they're not scrolling Instagram, watching dog videos like I do, and then being hit with like an ad, you know, for a product, they're looking specifically to buy something. So they're already ready to make that purchase. If you can get in front of them, the challenge is getting in front of them, um, with the search. And a lot of that has, um, I think one of the big changes that has happened over time as Etsy has gotten busier and busier and has more products listed is that, the individual product really needs to have a pretty narrow focus for who the audience is. Um, when you okay. have things that are, you know, I would even say like my baby blankets would probably have a harder time now getting found than they did 10 years ago. You know, I think that some of the ways that I have evolved with that as it's gone is to, market them for different things. So everybody's like, oh, it's a baby shower gift. Well, I mean, yeah, it is. 
but also um, some of the things that people have said to me over, over the years that I've been selling is like, I'm giving this for my child's bab or uh, my friend's baptism or the first birthday or whatever. And then being able to use those keywords within the SEO of the listing so that other people that are searching for those same things can find it as a potential, you know, item that they want to buy. Oh, I love um, that. So I think listening to your customers and what like what their gift notes are saying or what their reviews are saying, like how they're utilizing the product and making sure even if you say, well, it's just a monogrammed baby blanket. I mean, anybody that has a baby could give it for anything. You know, it doesn't have to have a specific occasion. And that's true. But people aren't just looking for like a baby shower gift. They don't go into Etsy and search baby shower gift. You know, they're going to have like 5 million results if they do that. So they're looking more specifically for something. And so figuring out what is it that they're looking for and what words are they using to describe it in the SEO um, is challenging, but also really important in getting found on the platform. I love that so much. And I love that you talked about like li- not just listening to your customers, but listening to your customers on how they're using your product. Because like you just said, you might think, oh, this is a um, – I forget the first thing that you mentioned, the baby blanket. It's like for a baptism or – no, it was for yeah. something else. But then you said, oh, someone said it was for a baptism or you know, a birthday party or like whatever it is. But right. like listening – and also like you can – I mean Etsy, I think it's harder. I don't think you can – I think you can't email your customers. I don't remember. But I know if you have your own site, you have like Clavio email marketing or whatever, you can survey your customers and say, hey, like, I know you bought this baby blanket. We would love to know how you used it. Was it a gift for this, a gift for that? And it helps you to understand your customer. And then in turn, like, it helps you to market the product. So I think that's super smart. I know that there's a tool, Marmalade, which I I sell digital products on Etsy. And I do, like, I do love Etsy. I love dabbling in the different things. Um and I've had a good experience with Etsy, but besides Marmalade, or maybe Marmalade is the key tool for SEO, how, what tools do people use or like what tools can people use to better like optimize their Etsy store for search and all that kind of stuff? So I'm actually like really not a fan of any of those kinds of software programs because I think that it's a really computerized way of, of like looking at the results that come from a search and your buyer is buying on an emotional level, not like a computer generated level. <laughs> um, so I, and also like I have found them to be wildly inaccurate. Um, so some oh, of my okay. most popular search phrases are ranked like super low, really bad grades, like no volume, blah, 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 which is obviously not the case because like my actual analytics show a really dramatically different thing. Um, I think that it's more important to um, just really look at the structure of how other listings on Etsy that are performing well. If you say, okay, I'm selling a baby blanket and I search for baby blanket, look at some of those top results, look at some of the shops that have 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 sales and see I mean, it's not always a good indication because there are some people that started, you know, 15 years ago that just kind of have that built in. Like it just keeps going because it because they've had such a long sales history. Um, but it can give you a good indication of how people are marketing things, what kind of phrases that they're using in the search and those kinds of things. Also, the search um, bar on Etsy itself auto populates with suggestions. So kind of 
going through there and looking at what they're suggesting to you, which they're also suggesting to your buyers. <laughs> That's super funny. Um, do you use like any other tools? So maybe not Etsy tools, but like Uber Suggest, for example. Would you use that for Etsy for search like keywords or are you just like, I don't, I don't nope. use anything. I okay. just use the Etsy search bar. That's the okay. only thing that I use. That's so cool. It's great to have like, <laughs> yeah, like not use the tools. And because I think a lot of people just think, oh, like, well, if I just use Marmalade, then I don't know, like my store will take off. But I know a lot of people that have come to me and they're like, oh, I'm using this tool and like not making any sales. So yeah, I guess. Yeah. Doesn't and I've work. actually had students <laughs> before that have like gone down that rabbit hole to test it and said like, well, this was suggested to me as like a low competition, high volume search, and I'm going to make a product. That and like, I've never had anybody have a success story. <laughs> oh, they're, no. they're like, yeah, it, it didn't really work that well. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't expect it to, but good job. <laughs> good job trying it. I mean, you might as funny. well try and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, you know, I also think too, for those tools, like, it, you know, it can help people like understand some of the things that how Etsy works, like, okay, you have to add the tags, you have to add like your titles, you have to add enough images. Like, I think that could be helpful too. I know I've used it, but only on the free trial version. I always like Google like free trial marmalade or like free trials. <laughs> and then you can just cancel. Yeah. And you gotta I be think, scrappy. Like, you're just completely like stuck and you have like writer's block and can't think of anything mm. that could describe your product. I do think that it can be a decent way of like brainstorming additional descriptors that you might want to add into there. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Like you could do the same thing on Pinterest or Google or Etsy or wherever, but it can do that too. So I I don't, I'm not like anti using it for that purpose. (laughs) I just don't pay attention to the metrics with like the volume and competition and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think too, like you kind of touched upon the fact that like you, you people by based on emotions and like you're trying to use that and not like a computerized stuff to like, you know, build out your entire listing. So I'm curious, this is like super off topic, just because I feel like everyone's talking about it obsessively. Do you feel like like the chat GPT, um, because like I feel like I was watching something this morning and someone was like, here's what I did using my chat GPT personal assistant. She like named it a personal assistant with like an actual human name. It was kind of weird. She was like, I wrote out three blog posts, five product descriptions, a whole a sales page, 10 of this thing. And I'm like, how like I've used chat GPT. I I, maybe I'm missing something, but like how on (laughs) earth do you do all that shit? Um, have you seen people using that for Etsy, like descriptions? I don't know. Have you heard stories? I'm just curious. I feel like this is still a new thing and I'm yeah. finding discrepancies on how people are using it and it seems very outlandish. Like I just built my yeah. whole website using chat GPT and I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to do the same. Just buy my course for $2,000. Like, right. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. So I'm not willing so much to crap. do that. So yeah. I probably will never really totally grasp the full um, <laughs> effect of of AI writing stuff. Um, I'm not super tech savvy, so I have not really used a ton of that myself. I have had people suggest that it might be beneficial to writing descriptions. Um, I haven't really dug into that or like seeing any, I mean, most of the people that I'm working with, I would say are equally like not super technical. Um, and, 
an AI generated stuff like this feels like complicated. Um, you should search, uh, there, there was like this thing on Instagram that I saw the other day that was all about this, this, um, chat GPT is that what it's called? I yeah. can't remember the letters. Um, and it was like, it made them watch like 10,000 hours of Olive Garden commercials and then come up with its own commercial. <laughs> and it was so oh funny. God. It was so funny what it comes up with. Like, it was like the most, I mean, if you think, if you just picture an Olive Garden commuter, com- a commercial on TV um, and then adding oh, these words God. to it, like, like <laughs> you guys can leave me. I'm home already. <laughs> Oh my god! I'll have to look that up. That's super funny. So there's not. I'm like super skeptical with stuff like that. Like I don't really. No, I am too. That it can ever really replace the way that humans interact with each other. Um, and I don't know. I could be proven wrong, and I probably will be. But that's my feeling for right now. (laughs) I've used it for a few things. Like one one of the girls in my program, the Cultish product. She on one of our calls, she was like, "I'd have to show you." the stuff I'm working on. And she basically, she's the one that got me to even try the chat GPT, which is only like a month ago. And she showed me like here, I reworded this, this post or something. And she showed me like a couple things like, you know, find the top 100 fitness podcasts. And it was like, and it like, so I've used it for those things. And it, and it does work. Like, I'll be like, okay, give me, um, like literally, as we're talking, I just typed in what are the top questions that people are asking about Etsy. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I if there was anything interesting that I could also ask you that I hadn't thought of. But literally, I was like, what are the um what are the best podcasts for candle makers? And it's like like so things like that. It actually does give good information. But in terms of like creating product descriptions, I just haven't dug into it enough. Maybe you have to upgrade to like the per- the pro version or something. Um, I think it's interesting. I think we'll, we'll, I think we'll see what happens. I think yeah. like if people are using the chat GPT and just basically saying, okay, tell me about, I don't know, something about like a topic, like what, what do people want to know on Etsy? And then you can just take a block of text and pop it on your blog post. Like that's not really, I think what you should be doing. You should be taking, right. <laughs> taking it and then make, making it into your own language, your own words, that kind of thing. But I think we'll see what happens with it. I mean, I don't know. It's like kind of scary, but also kind of interesting that it, this stuff will re- be replacing people. I'm sure. Um, well, and I guess what I some feel capacity. like it, is, is that, you know, like looking at a blog post like that, like if you can do that, then I mean, a hundred thousand other people can do that too. So then it all becomes mm-hmm. a level playing field yep. in terms of everybody just having the same stuff. So then how do you go beyond that? Well, then you have to add your own knowledge, which is what you're doing already yeah. by not using it. So like you're kind of circled back around to, I, I don't know, it will be interesting to see where it goes, but, um, no, yeah, I, I agree. Okay gone down that road too much. This is the only one I've tried so far. And I do think parts of it seem intriguing. I just feel like, um, yeah, there's so many like layers of what's ethical, what's not ethical. Like I I can just picture like people using this to like write papers and plagiarism. I don't know. It's We'll see. Okay, I feel like I'm getting off topic. Um, I just was curious because I feel like when it, when these things happen, like the, there's trends that happen in different industries and niches, and um, 
Okay, so what I want to talk about is is customer loyalty with Etsy because I know a lot of people, um, kind of like Amazon, you're like, oh, I'm just going to go from go buy something from Amazon. You oftentimes are not searching for a brand. So how can people get more? I guess how can people create customer loyalty within Etsy, but also just get those repeat customers? I know with email marketing, you're not supposed to email your customers, but I've also heard from people in my program that like. You can email customers. So talk to me about that because I don't, I just don't know anything about that. But I would love to hear about customer loyalty on Etsy. Yeah. So I think that, which this is maybe not as much of a problem for people who like start with their own website and branch into Etsy. Mm -hmm. I find people who start on Etsy feel almost like it's, it's not even really like loyalty. This is from the seller perspective. It's not really loyalty as a seller, but I would say they feel there are platforms. Amazon is one of them that have like certain parameters around what you're allowed to do for your branding of your business while selling on their platform. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that people are like a little gun shy about what they're allowed to do. So like, I'll have people that are, that will ask me, you know, am I allowed to price my website stuff less than I price my Etsy shop? And I'm like, you're allowed to do whatever you want. Like Etsy doesn't have any other than like, if somebody is buying through Etsy, you can't be like, I'm going to cancel your order, go buy it on my website. You can't do that. Um, but in terms of like how you're running your business, you don't have any real restrictions from Etsy about the way that you're doing that. So for me, the important part there is to, to always kind of keep that in mind and think about the fact that you're running a business, you're running your brand, you're marketing your brand, and Etsy is just a selling platform. I don't have any loyalty to Etsy. I don't really care what Etsy does one way or the other. I only just use it as a selling platform. Mm -hmm. um, and so thinking through, you know, I've got stickers on the outside of my package that brand my business. I have a card inside every single package that I ship to my Etsy customer saying, if you want lower prices and faster shipping, go directly to my website <laughs> mm. and has a QR code that they can scan and it brings them to my website. Um, you know, I, if, if people, you know, anything that they ask me, any emails they send me, my signature goes to my website. My social media does not even link to my Etsy shop. So like, I don't market my Etsy shop anywhere mm -hmm. in terms of customer loyalty on the platform. I do have, I mean, I would say probably 40% of my purchases on Etsy are repeat customers. So I have people that come back over and over and over again, and they will never move to my website and they will only stay on Etsy. I've had people that have bought 40 or 50 quilts, like they buy them as gifts, wow. like corporate gifts or whatever. It keeps them all together in the same spot. So like, they're never going to move to my website hmm. and that's fine. Like, that's why that's the benefit of having Etsy as a sales channel. Those people never would have come to my website anyway. Yeah. <laughs> They're only going to shop on Etsy. So if all of a sudden I say, well, I'm going to close down my Etsy shop. You should buy from my website. They would say, no, thanks. I'll just find somebody else on Etsy that will <laughs> sell it. You yeah. Know? So those people, like for those people, I don't even think it's really worth trying to, you know, I mean, th those people are going to do what they do. For the other people that are kind of just like they're buying on Etsy because it's easy, but they are willing to move wherever you kind of want them to. I think the communication is really important. Um, mm -hmm. I So there is an integration with Etsy. It's called Aweber. If people want to look it up, you can connect Aweber to your Etsy shop and build an email list from that. 
it sends them an opt-in when they make a purchase on Etsy that says like, if you want to be added to the email list, click here. If they don't ever click it, they'll never get another email from you. They won't be added to an email list. Um, If they do click it, then they'll be added to your AWeber email list. So that is the only like official email marketing integration that works with Etsy in that way to do, to collect email addresses from your Etsy purchases. So I have built an email list from that. And then I like just communicate with them really honestly. I sent an email probably two weeks ago that said, Hey, I would really appreciate it if you would buy from my website instead of my Etsy shop. Like it saves me money. It makes the profits higher for my small business. It makes me able to grow the business beyond Etsy. You know, here are all the reasons. And I got, I mean, I probably got 10 responses from people that were like, oh, I didn't know you had a website, which says something about my marketing. So that's probably a place I need to look into. (laughs) Um, But then they have, you know, like then they have, and they're like, that's great. I'd love to. And I have all the things on the website that you can't do on Etsy, like a rewards program and coupon. Like I never offer coupons on my Etsy shop. I only offer coupons on my website. So having all of those things and then just really communicating to people, you know, the branding and, and, and really inserting your business stuff, whether it's like you know, cards or QR codes or follow me on social media or whatever, so that they have some sort of connection to you outside of just buying from your Etsy shop. I love that. Do you feel like, because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, you can't email your customers on Etsy. And I knew that like there was some email option with them, but do you feel like that's not very known? Like, is it not, um, is it something that Etsy like hides or I don't know? Because I feel like every, so many people are like, oh yeah, you can't email your customers on Etsy. Why do you think people don't know that you actually can? I think that there is a lot of gray area in terms mm-hmm. of like email marketing, spam laws, all of that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I've had people ask me, well, how does that fall in line with spam laws if you're sending them this opt-in email, um, you know, unsolicited? And I'm, I'm like, I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but it's an official integration with Etsy. (laughs) And I actually have like gone on the chat and asked them and then like screenshotted it. So I have that backup proof if they Mm. ever come at me about it. Um, because, because they say it's cool with them. Um, and so, but, but you will get like a lot of pushback from people. There are people who feel like super, super passionately about the fact that you should not be doing that. Um, and so that you should not be sending unsolicited emails. However, there's also a lot of misunderstanding from Etsy sellers in general about communicating with your customers. So I have had tons of people who have said like, you know, if, if somebody leaves me a five-star review and I want to send them a message and say, thank you, can I do that? And then people, and then people will be like, no, that's spam. I'm like, that's not freaking spam. You're thanking them for their purchase. And they're a customer. Spam. <laughs> oh know? my like, God. Spam is like all the people like trying to give me mortgages and crap that email me like 900 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is not spam. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about, like, I very much get the feeling, especially if you're like in Etsy Facebook groups where people are like really, um, excited about things <laughs> in general. Um, <laughs> There is like so much, like it makes it seem like every single time you message your customer, you are spamming them. 
and that you are never allowed. Like you're just like the worker bee in the background. You are never allowed to communicate to them. Like so you just, weird. you get their order and you send it out and you never say another word. And I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I've had customers that have marked my messages as spam when I say thank you. I feel like that's a little much. Like most people are not going to do that. <laughs> no. That's crazy. So. Yeah, I would I'm laughing cuz I can imagine like the ridiculous conversations in the <laughs> of crazy people. Um but I also yeah. think some of it has to do with communicating with your customer like a human being. So, I mean, I have yeah. plenty of people who will message me on Etsy and call me by name and, you know, or especially if they've been buying from me for a long time, like we have like a whole back and forth. So, for me to be like thank you so much for the cute picture that you posted in the review. They're not going to be like, this is spam. Why are you contacting me? You know, like we have like a back and forth. And um, so I don't know. It's not, it's not like a weird thing. Um, So you shouldn't be spamming. We can go put, but that's not spam. So, And I also feel like it's like, do our customers aware that like Etsy sellers sort of like aren't supposed to email them? Like, or is that just like a seller thing? I think it's a seller thing. I do too. Cause I've never gotten, I've, I mean, I order from Etsy a lot. I order a lot of like digital prints and stuff. And I don't think I've ever gotten something that said, the seller cannot communicate with you. If they do, report right. them. Report them to the right. Etsy gods. Um, I think it's like a seller thing. But kind of like on Amazon as a seller, like you kind of know like, okay, you really can't um, email your customers. And when I used to sell on Amazon, I put an insert in the package and I was like, if you have any issues, please e- – like please um, – I don't know what I wrote because I think you're not supposed to say please email me. I forget what I did. Please contact me. Um, and we'll take care of you because, you know, people on Amazon are psycho. And if there's one little thing, they don't reach out to you. They just leave you a one-star review and basically say your shop is like worthless. So it's, yeah, it's like really challenging. I don't know. Oh, no, what I would but say, I, that's, that I would say like message this- me on Amazon. I would say message me on the Amazon app and then I'll take care of you. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. No, I mean, I just think that it is like, a human to human interaction. And the more Mm -hmm. that you can, I mean, and I'm not even like, it's not like on my, my shop Instagram or anything that I'm like sharing baby pictures of my kids or anything like that. Like it's pretty much just product stuff. So I'm kind of removed from the face of the company, but it's still like people are shopping on the Etsy platform because Etsy has done a good job of branding themselves as this platform that helps your little, you know, basement workshop maker. And so why are they then going to be mad when that be that person emails them? Like they're not, you know, they're not like, they're just not, it's, it's a big misunderstanding, but, um, I mean, I, you cannot take somebody's email address from their Etsy order and just add them to your email list. That is not legal, yeah. but that's not legal anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not like specific to Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, there's a lot of weird things with like just email and um, yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress for all these uh, platforms. But I, I do think there's some weird misunderstanding with people because so many people like I will do live Q&A calls in my membership and people will be like, oh, yeah, Etsy, I can't email the customers. And then we have other Etsy people that would be like, no, you, yes, you can. And the other person's like, no. And I don't know. So I do feel like like it's weird that there this is not um, – like Etsy doesn't do a better job of telling the sellers, hey, you can – hey, did you know that you can communicate with your customers? Use AWeber. Well, I actually you know? don't I, – I mean, Etsy is not really the one that's ever like – made it seem like you couldn't connect connect with your customer. 
like it's like a it is like a seller thing. Like this is something that I see perpetuated around like seller communities, not from Etsy. I mean, weird. Etsy's messaging system is really easy. They want you to respond to messages within like 24 hours. Like they encourage, you know, there are like buttons that the buyer can push on the app. Like I need help with an order. I need like Mm -hmm. they very much want you to communicate back and forth. So it's not um, I don't really think it's an Etsy thing. I think it's like I I, I don't really know where it started, but I think it's perpetuated by like (laughs) sellers. (laughs) that's so funny it's strange (laughs) yeah that is strange i just have like a one other question do you use ads like do you use etsy ads for your business what are your thoughts on ads i use ads for my digital shop and i find and again i just play around it's sort of like coffee money to me honestly but i'm kind of like i really struggle with etsy where if i run ads i then end up making like no profit And I test different options. I'll do $1 a day, $5. I'll go different things. I'll use different products. I'll work on the listings and make them better and then only do ads for that thing. But no matter what I do, if I use ads on Etsy, my profit just like dwindles. So how do you like, how does that work? Maybe it's different with the physical products. I have no idea. Maybe they're like, listen, lady, we know you don't have to actually pack up anything and ship it out. So we're not going to prioritize your stuff. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on ads? I think that it is important to opt into ads. Um, I think for part of the algorithm, you are rewarded for opting into ads. Um, I never spend more than $1 a day, which is the minimum that you can do. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because I think like kind of checking that box in terms of just having them turned on is, Mm. is a thing. Um, I've had a lot of people that have told me like when I turned them off completely, my traffic really went down, even though they don't, they're not attributing these sales to the ads themselves. So like my ads dashboard is telling me that I'm not really making any money from these ads and they're just costing me money. But when I turn them off, my overall traffic drops. And then, Mm. so there's like some correlation between having them turn on and higher traffic, um, which makes sense. And if you read like the Etsy quarterly reports, like the investor reports, they talk about the overall revenue that they make as a company, as a publicly traded company from ads from sellers. So that is an important piece of their revenue. So it makes sense to me that it would be beneficial in the algorithm for them to reward you opting into that program. I think that like I would not really ever tell people to spend more than a dollar a day because I don't think they work particularly well, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like the ads themselves, which is really unfortunate because before they had this new CEO that they had, which was like five years ago or four years ago, I'm not exactly sure when he started. The ads used to be like amazing. You would get like 30 times return. Like they wow. were like a slot machine that always came out like jackpot. Damn. <laughs> um and that has just really changed over the years as as Etsy has built their business to be more profitable and publicly traded and all of those things which Interesting. is you know it is what it is but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so and I think that it's really important for you to look um so I have a digital shop as well and I think that just making sure I actually think that the profit margins on digital products are a little bit more difficult because digital, typical digital products, not every digital product, but typical digital products are so, um, low. so low price. Yeah. 
that then those fees, you know, especially like the the 20 cent listing fee and the payment processing, which is like 3% plus 25 cent, you know, the flat rate fees get to be such a bigger part of your revenue that you're bringing in. Um, mm-hmm. And then a dollar a day, like, you know, is 30 bucks a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where then if you're selling $2 printables, <laughs> you have to make a lot of, you know, you have to make a lot of sales to make sure that it's working well for you. So, um, I mean, I think you should always be aware of those profit margins. That's true, digital or physical, but yeah. So I guess the long and short of it is, I think you should opt in at a dollar a day. Um, but I don't think that they're like a really great thing for shops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I like I want to I do like them cuz I think they're easy to set up and I think yeah. Etsy like I appreciate Etsy makes it easy for people because I I'm not an ads person. I'm like literally how do you make sales with your business organically? But I like to learn different things. I like to play around, but Facebook ads is you have to have like <laughs> you have to have like a degree in bioscience to understand the goddamn number. I mean, that makes no sense, but you know what I mean? Like it's super – they make it complicated on purpose. They make it so you've just spent $2,000 on ads and you have no fucking idea what your return on investment is. So like they make it very hard for you to know that versus Etsy. Maybe they're not super effective, but they at least make it easy for you to understand. Like they show your return on investment. Yes, you have to like dig a little bit. You have to look at the different pages and numbers but they, they, I feel like they make it easy for you at least, and they're not trying to confuse the hell out of you. So yeah. I give them it credit is very for that. Simplistic, um, mm-hmm. and I, I do think one thing. Um, I forgot to say this earlier. One thing that I think is important with, especially physical products, um, not as much digital because you have a little bit more leeway in terms of like not having actual product cost. Mm-hmm. Um, but with physical products, I think that sometimes it can be. Uh, a little misleading the way that they report. So for instance, let's say you have a 6.0 ROAS on the reporting dashboard thing for the Etsy ads. I still think it's important for you to break it down per sale. So they're only reporting um, like ROAS, which is you know a legitimate number for them to report. But depending on your profit margins on the physical products, it may or may not work out for you. So a 6.0 ROAS looks great. Oh, I put a dollar in and I get $6 out. Mm -hmm. But it really depends on what your profit margins are and your shipping costs and all of those kinds of things on your physical product. So I like to look at it as, you know, because it will break it down listing by listing, what you've spent, how many sales you've made, what your overall revenue is from that listing with your ads. And so if they say, well, you spent $16 and you've sold eight products, well, then it's costing you $2 per product that you're selling. So does Mm -hmm. that make sense with your profit margins or not? You know, Um, so I think that that's important to know when you're looking at the cost on physical products, because a lot of people don't have like really wide profit margins for physical products. So you have to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to just be like, just like you said, like, oh, I'm making, you know, 6x return or whatever it is. And like, you're still not really making a profit. So I just have one more question. What do you think? Two questions, but they'll be quick. What do you think the biggest mistake Etsy sellers are making that you see? This might be a large question, but maybe you can just choose (laughs) choose one mistake. (laughs) You're like, they're making a million mistakes. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
I think that the biggest mistake that Etsy sellers are making is that they're not thinking about what they're doing as starting a business. And they're just thinking that they're like making this thing and they're going to throw it up on Etsy and the sales are just going to like pour in. And so because of that, they're very unrealistic about their expectations on how quickly things will grow. And I think that people that come into it saying like, I'm starting a business and maybe I'm selling on Etsy to start. Um, so the way that I did it was I started on Etsy and I waited until my Etsy shop was like bringing in consistent revenue to be able to then reinvest that revenue into building some of these other things that cost money, like a Shopify site and email marketing and all that stuff. And so, you know, whether they have done all of that at one time, or they're kind of like building piece by piece, the, the mindset shift of like, I'm starting a business and these are the steps that I'm going to go through to grow that business is different Mm -hmm. than coming in and being like, well, I saw this Facebook ad that people told me I could sit on the beach and sell crap and make a bajillion dollars and the expectation of how easy that's going to be. And then the results of like how quickly you get frustrated when it's not really Mm -hmm. that easy. And you feel like, you know, this is not happening for you because it really actually hasn't happened that way for anybody. And, and that's like not realistic. Um, so I think that that is the biggest part for me, the biggest piece for me in working with people is saying like, even if your goal is not to build like a billion dollar company and have like a bajillion employees and stuff, like that's not my goal. That's never been my goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually don't want to have any employees because I don't like to work with people. (laughs) Um, So so I do it by myself. Um, And, you know, and that's great and that's fine. And like, I don't care if your goal is $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. That's not really the point. The point is that you have to approach it as a business and understand that even though it's really easy to get started, it doesn't mean that running a business is easy or fast. It's not. It's not either one of those things. (laughs) I love that so much. And I love that you mentioned – I have to obviously point it out. You mentioned like, oh, you got hit with a Facebook ad about the person sitting on the beach and talking about how you can make like, you know, passive income and never work – work five minutes a day and make seven figures. Like, you know, all that bullshit. Um, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. I make fun of like the bro marketer videos on YouTube with like the rented Lamborghinis and all that bullshit. And it, it's total bullshit. Like, yes, there are ways to make some passive in- – it's partial passive income. You know, if you have like a print-on-demand, print-on-demand and all that. Like, yes, print-on-demand or drop shipping. you bypass the whole thing of making products, but it doesn't mean it's passive. And there's also a lot of potential problems with any business model. You know, any business model, you have to work. Um, so I love that you right. said that. Thank you. I feel like I yeah, no, I, I, preach I about this see every day. Ads in the oh, I do too. <laughs> I like rant about it, but like I've seen ads in the Etsy space where people will say like manifest your passive income, and I'm like, oh my uh. god, stop it! Like, and then and then I'll talk to people, and they'll be like, well, my shop was completely passive. And if somebody asks them, like, how long does it take that you know it's a digital shop, then so it's totally passive income. Well, how long does it make you to take you to make a new product? Well, I probably worked like 60 or 70 hours to make a product. And I'm like, that's not passive, people. You're working. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fine. I'm working too. Like, I'm not, 
I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing working, but like setting that expectation for what you're going to, to put into it and get out of it. When I started my Etsy shop, I was pregnant with my second child. And my goal was to be able to make a like full-time income, which is like a pretty loose term for, I'm, I like didn't really have an income goal, but like a full-time job by the time she started kindergarten and mm. I was pregnant. So like wow. it was a five-year plan. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and like, I did it way faster than that, but like that going into it, I think that that was really helpful, but my expectation was so far out. So yeah. anything that came before that, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's amazing. Cause I do think people, and I had this conversation with someone this morning, um, like you start a business and you think it's just going to like blow up because you get hit with all these people who are like, oh, it's so easy. It's like, I, I see a lot of things in business are easy, like I don't know, like simple. Yeah. Simple. I need to stop it's using the word like, easy, but I never say having a business is easy. I never say it's easy to grow. And I think so many other people do. They say, oh, just like we just said, the passive income, manifest your passive income. <laughs> that's, a, that's, wanna, like, that's hysterical. Like, what does that but, even mean, manifest your passive income? I'm like, does that just mean I have to think about money falling out of the sky? Because that'd be awesome. Um, but, but it screws I mean, people me, like, up. I, it screws people up with, just like you yeah. said, expectations. If you think, oh, my business is going to, in one year, I'm going to be able to live the laptop lifestyle. And that's not always <laughs> accurate. So... Well, and even when, when people come to me and they are like, you know, I would love to, cause like, I don't work that much in my physical product shop. It is like a well-oiled machine mm -hmm. and it's very easy for me to run at this point. They're like, I, I would love to have something like you. And I'm like, yeah, but you're looking at almost 11 years later. Like you're oh. not, you know, there was nobody that was telling me, I wish I had a business like you when I was working until like two o'clock in the morning because I didn't have any childcare and I had all these little kids and my husband was in Afghanistan, <laughs> you know, like oh nobody was like, Hey, I wish I had a business like you. They were like, you're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and like, I just slogged away and I liked it and it was fine. And I was also very young and had a lot of energy at that point in my life. Um, and, and so it's like, you're looking at that 11 years later version and, and that's not, you know, that's great. It's great to have goals of where you want to be. And I'm not saying that like I'm goals, but like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's good to see people who have walked that path in front of you and, and to learn where you can go from where you're starting, but you can't expect to be there, you know, right away. Overnight, none of yeah. us, none of us were. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, now it works great and it's super flexible and I'm super thankful for it, but mm -hmm. it also took like a lot of pivoting and changing and balancing. And there were several times that I shut the whole thing down completely. I sold my embroidery machines at one point. Oh my was, God. Like, done with it. You know, like there was a lot yeah. of up and down. So hmm. anyway, that was a very long winded answer. But <laughs> no, I love it. I, this is like, I love talking about all the BS in the um, online space lot. and the That's like, yeah, the fake people and all that. Okay, one last question. What is your number one tip on how to scale a handmade business? My number one tip on how to scale a handmade business mm -hmm. is to look for the opportunities that you have for products that have wide, high profit margins and a low time investment. 
So I call them high-low products. <laughs> um, and they are the ones where, which are not always the most exciting to make. They're not always like your favorite thing to do because a lot of times it is like very repetitive and not super creative. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the more you're doing customization for every single thing and adding a whole bunch of detail, the longer it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, even on Etsy, it doesn't necessarily pay more to have more of those things. So the places where um, you have those higher profit margins and a really fast speed of production or the ability to increase your speed of production. For me, it was going from like applique burp cloths, which definitely had like an in a uh, revenue cap that I could, or a pricing cap, you know, nobody's going to pay $50 for a burp cloth. <laughs> um, you know, so going from appliques, which were multi-step and took a long time to just doing monograms, which is a lot faster. And then looking for the products where people are going to pay a higher price. You know, if I monogram a burp cloth, it's still not going to sell for as high of a price as a quilt. And so looking for the places where you can really speed that up and then being able to kind of systematize the way that you're producing it so that you can produce more in the same amount of time, or the profit margins are high enough that you can hire somebody to do some of that busy work. Love it so much. Amazing answer. Thank you so much. People always want to know, how can I scale a handmade business? It's not possible, but Lauren, Lauren I mean, there says are it products, is. <laughs> there are products that it's not possible in. Um, there yeah. are products where if it is like so time consuming, it is always going to hold you back and you have to decide whether that's okay with you or not. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend very early on tell me, I, I want to make some money from this, but I only want to make the products that I want to make. And I was like, well, it's not really a business. Um, that's like just a hobby, which is fine. That's cool. But like, it's yeah. probably not going to be scalable. Um, but you know, like doing monograms on quilts is not, that is not like flexing my creative muscle at all. It is extremely repetitive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can do creative things in my spare time, in my business time. My goal is to maximize output in the time that I'm working. <laughs> I feel like I saw one of your Instagram stories recently where you talked about your batching and you said you can yeah. do, I forget how, what the number you said per day. And I was like, whoa, was it like 300 yeah. blankets a day or something? Or It's not that high, but <laughs> um, something I mean, high I though. Can do, I can do about like 15 or 16 blankets an hour and they're like 45 to 50 dollars a piece maybe so, that's like, what I it was can, that is a lot, lot. <laughs> that is a lot yeah. holy crap but you do get better like you get better at those sure. when you batch things and you just crack things out i went from being able to fold like with my subscription business like folding the boxes it used to take me so long and then after a while i'd be able to like and like i could yeah. fold a box in like 10 seconds you know so yeah Totally. All right. This was amazing, Lauren. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, buy your beautiful baby blankets and all the things. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my website, not my Etsy site, but my website is funkymonkeychildren.com. Um, and then my coaching blog podcast website is laurenkeplinger.com. And my podcast is Cricket Stitch Chings. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for being on and um, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at K 
Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.